Your boredom is over because we're just getting started here on Most Shows Recapped. And this week, we're talking about South Park Season 19. I'm Rob Cicerino here with the Most Shows Recapped crew. With us today is Antonio Mazzaro and Josh Wiggler. How are you guys doing? What up? Super. Thanks for asking. You're super. Thanks for asking. Yeah. And we're also joined here by our special guest, uh, a South Park aficionado. Here he is. Give it up for Mr. Mike Bloom. Buckle up, buttercups. <laughs> what up, Mike? Hi, how you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. This is uh, I'm super excited to talk about this because this has been an absolutely crazy season of South Park. And I was not aware that so many of you guys were watching it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I gotta say, I'm super excited. I'm also super nervous because this is such a such a sensitive, such sensitive subject matter that is here on South Park, and we've got Mike Bloom, who notoriously goes full bloom. Yeah, so I gotta let's stay see away how this from goes. Let's bloom. see how this goes. I'm not gonna unwood that everything's gonna be kosher. Don't worry, Josh. I'm, I'm PC since 14, so I think. We'll okay, be got it. I got cool. the I got the brain showing and everything. All right, great, okay. good. Here we are. We're live today on Blab talking about this. We're going to be taking your questions. If you're watching us live as well, you can post your questions in the chat. We will see them. And then you could also ask them with the slash Q talking about uh, South Park season 19. And then uh, we may even discuss the whiz a little bit, which aired live last night on NBC to uh, pretty, uh, pretty uh, wizardly rating. So all that and more here today on most shows recap. How's everybody doing today? Good. Yeah, yeah, that didn't not sound convincing. Yeah, I'm getting over a cold this week. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Antonio's been sick. Antonio's so sick that he couldn't be on the Fargo podcast on Post Show Recaps this week, so we had Mike Bloom on there. Oh my yeah. god. So I, I, I Antonio, I'm glad you're feeling better enough to hop onto this uh and that you're able to keep me on the podcast in spite of my very cuckoo theories about Fargo throughout the week. <laughs> Yeah, we'll cover that on the Fargo podcast next week. <laughs> it's going to start by just undoing the messes that I made. Yes. Yeah. All right, you can hear Mike Bloom on the Fargo podcast on postshowrecaps.com. Today we're talking about South Park season 19. Can you believe it? Uh, 19 seasons of South Park? That's crazy. It's crazy that this show is still going. Uh, and it's still hilarious. I, I love this show so much. I love South Park. Josh. Yeah, so, so, yeah, Josh, I want to well, I want to hear from all you guys like a little bit of history of like what your personal history is with the show, because I remember, Josh, you said last week that like this is it's been a while since you've watched the show. Yeah, right? yeah, it's been a long time since I've watched the show. I mean, I've seen the stray episode here and there, but I haven't, you know, I haven't like sat down and like made made it destination watching for a long time. I haven't just like mm-hmm. trucked through a season in a while. I'll catch episodes here and there, but nothing dedicated. Um, but I mean, I was, it, it premiered, you know, South Park premiered when I was a kid. It premiered when I was, I must have been like eighth grade or something like that. I think it's when South Park, sorry, Antonio. I think that that's when it came out. I think I was in eighth grade. I remember talking about it a lot in art class. That's a very vivid memory of mine uh, with, uh, with shout out to Jordan Elian from, uh, from high school. Doubtful that he is listening to this. Uh, but I remember talking to him about uh, Cartman's anal probes. That's a very vivid memory. Uh, I, I was a dedicated watcher all the way through the movie. And then somewhere after that, I stopped watching regularly. But anytime I catch the show, I'm always cracking up. And I don't know what that says about me because, you know, these people are horrible, but they're, they're just hilariously horrible. How does South Park hold up in terms of the ratings? It's still a, a big winner for uh, Comedy Central. No, it is not. It is. Uh, you're talking in the just over a couple, a couple million to under a couple million viewers per week and that's not in the demo that's total viewers so like for example this this season's highest rated episode the premiere drew only 1.76 million viewers that said i don't think it's that 
super expensive to make. I don't know what the talent contracts cost. I know the animation isn't that expensive to do. It's pretty quick turnaround on what they do. So, I mean, I think it's still probably a, a marketable show for South Park and reliable, but this season's ratings were down over last season's ratings. Uh, I don't know if it's got a future for a season 20. I don't know if the if that's been announced or what the I plan believe, is. I believe yeah. that um, that Matt Stone and Trey Parker are signed through 20. That's Yeah, that's what I, I thought that it didn't make sense they would end at 19. So maybe next season will be the last season. Maybe they'll do more beyond that. But yeah, it's still, I mean, it's still a, a show that, you know, that pops, but not doing that well in ratings. Well, well I, th- I think the, the interesting, sorry, Rob, the interesting thing about Comedy Central is that like they sort of have this model where uh, now it seems like if you have a, mo- a, moder- a modestly successful show, Comedy Central will say you can do it enough until you want st- want to stop doing it. Like that's what happened with Kroll Show and with Key and Peele. Both is like they were fine, but it- they kept pumping out seasons until until the creators actually said we won't do it. So I think that uh, South Park's almost like grandfathered in to the network, where like they're going to keep doing South Park until Trey and Matt don't want to do it anymore. In my yeah. opinion. This is, a, this is an article from Variety by Brian Steinberg that says that South Park is renewed through its 23rd season, which would be through 2019. So South Park is sticking around for a bit. Unless something changes between now and then, which is not impossible. But as of now, they're happy enough with the show that it's going to stick around for a while. Yeah, to me, I think South Park is sort of like Howard Stern, where it's like people, there are no new people coming on and listening to it, but it's really just the people who were there in the beginning are sort of just like hanging on. And I think in the case of South Park, I mean, I think there's they've still got the fastball. I think that there's been a very little drop off in quality. If any, you could argue it's even gotten better. But I don't know if anybody maybe outside of uh, Mike Bloom under 30 is watching South Park. <laughs> well, it's, it's also interesting because like you said, Antonio, I, f- I feel like the ratings itself are not great on the outset, but I feel like this is one of those shows that you can totally sort of like what Josh did in preparation for this, just sort of say, all right, I'll pop, I'll pop a bunch of episodes on while I have time. Uh, because Today was a very funny day because I just watched nine episodes of South Park in a row. It was a great day. <laughs> It's interesting, though, because I, I think that this show is so associated with youth. I mean, I spent the last two years of my college career in a fraternity house, and it was like appointment television that we watched South Park on a big screen TV every Wednesday night. And, you know, being out of that sort of clientele, I'm, I'm not sure if it's still resonating with uh, people in their 20s or, or college age people. But I mean, they're tackling material that probably is more arranged for that like adult uh, audience specifically with this season the political correctness is so rampant amongst people in their 20s and 30s people the teenagers probably won't get it as much well um, and i think the, the rise of randy marsh as a character throughout the course of the series sort of represents that changing of a demo um maybe dealing with adults being yeah. adults who don't want to be adults kind of things that wasn't so prevalent at the beginning of the series but randy has really come so far to the forefront of the show that i think that the show tackles a lot of those adult issues via randy that they normally weren't getting into in the past seasons. Not to go there, but didn't didn't Simpsons do it? You know, isn't isn't that kind Simpsons of Simpsons did it? Simpsons that, did it. Isn't that kind of the thing where Homer Simpson? You know, you, you, when you were younger, you were like you were all about Bart, and then as the Simpsons went along, Homer kind of steps into the forefront. And I feel like that's sort of been the arc of South Park too, where Randy has really become the guy. Uh, there's episodes about all sorts of characters in South Park, but really, Randy is the one. Anytime you have a Randy-centric episode, it's just the best. Well, in addition to Randy, though, the four principles of the show of like the main four kids that you sort of like knew as the like the core four of South Park, 
I feel like, especially here in season 19, and I'm not sure if, I'm sure it's been a gradual transition. I mean, they're hardly on the screen for most of these episodes. I mean, most, uh, like, they're sure there's episodes where they're featured more than others, but especially towards the back half of this season, it's really like, uh, I'd say that they're on the screen for less than a third of the time of these episodes. Yeah, yeah I don't think Cartman's even in episode eight. Yeah, the interesting you know. thing about it is that, like, I feel like, again, talking from an evolutionary perspective, I feel like they started to build out an ensemble, again, sort of charting it with The Simpsons, where it was initially about these four leads, and then once they started kind of filling the cast of characters, I mean, we just had the Tweaking Craig episode a few uh, a few weeks ago. Um, Butters has become, like, a huge breakout character uh, to the point of where there's centric episodes. There's more episodes that are about him than probably about Stan or Kyle at this point. Uh, so it's been really, and Randy's another example where I feel like, Trey and Matt are these guys where like if they'll find something that's funny with the character, they'll just keep using them over and over and over again. And so that's also shown a really big shift from the beginning when you're right. It was totally about these are the four boys and everything's going to happen to them and only them and maybe Chef when he was still on the show. Uh, R.I.P. Poor Chef. Poor Chef. It is interesting. Um, Rob, I'm curious where because Josh was apparently almost, you know, in eighth grade. uh, What is your kind of genesis with the show? Because right. I remember watching the the Santa Claus versus Jesus kind of short on VHS before there was even YouTube. So I'm curious where you started. With, and I was definitely in college. So I'm wondering where you started with this show, Rob, and, and kind of how that how Yeah, that I believe South off. Park really started to come to prominence. I think it was 1997 uh, when that was. And that was my sophomore year of college. And I just remember at college, it becoming like a very big thing of like th- something going viral at that point in time was like some people like in the hallway, like telling you uh, of your dorm, like, hey, we're watching this. You have to see this show if you haven't seen it before. And then you end up watching it in, you know, uh, somebody's dorm room or, uh, you know, a fraternity house or something like that. And, the, you know, it, it was it was huge. And, uh, it, you know, every new episode that was on, it was really, you know, appointment television as well. Yeah. And uh, I think Josh is laughing. I don't know why Josh is laughing so hard. Is he laughing at us for being old? No, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's independent of you. You're good. <laughs> okay. I mean, to make, you guys, to make you guys feel even worse, I think... Uh, if, I mean, Josh, if you were in eighth grade, I was probably in like third grade when it premiered. Yeah, you were uh, in, in utero, Mike Bloom. I was in utero. Uh, but yeah. the first episode I saw, I remember it very vividly. It was New Year's Eve, I think 1999. And I was sitting on a couch with my mom watching it. Uh, and there was an oh, episode boy. called Are You There, God? It's Me, Jesus. And that was uh, that was the first time I learned about what the menstrual cycle was. Oh, and boy. so I had to, we had to like stop the episode and my mom had to like tell me about what that meant. Uh, so I understood what was going on. God, it's me, Mike Bloom. Yeah. It's me, yeah. Mike Bloom. Yeah. Uh, written by Judy Bloom. So uh, that's the connection there, too. <laughs> that's right. Right. That's right. Uh, so your mom really was very invested in making sure you got the jokes on South Park from a very young age. <laughs> yeah. Between that and the, the Simpsons as well, there was that one episode called Homer's Phobia. And that's the first time I found out what homosexuality was. And she, again, had to pause it. I learned a lot of life lessons through these TV shows. Yes, a, lot, a lot of things are starting to make sense to me about you, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, this is the same mother that took me to see Wet Hot American Summer when I was 12. So that's I right. think it all, it all the, my childhood is being pieced together on this podcast. Props Boy, to Mama Bloom. Big <laughs> fan. Why don't we just talk about a little bit for somebody who has not been following South Park season 19. Uh, why are we talking about South Park uh, season 19 when we probably would not have normally talked about any previous South Park season? So the interesting thing about this season, and they started implementing this a little bit last season, is that they're starting to make things more canonical. Uh, they're really making an overarching 
plot line. Uh, very, very prominent in this season, there is a resounding theme of PC culture, politically correct culture, that has not existed on the show before. You know, you might have like uh, a trilogy of episodes, or you might have episodes that connect back to previous ones, but there's never been one where there's a general umbrella theme and there's a bunch of episodes that stream from that. And so there, it's it's awesome to see that in this 19th season, they're still taking these risks and that they're, they're trying to change up their format a bit. And we also have never, I mean, at the point we're viewing this now, we're in, epi- we're in part two of like a three-part season ender that combines everything that's been on the season so far. And that's something that has never been done before. So the, the pure audacity of what these guys are doing, I think is something that, that should be talked about. Yeah, and I think that uh, I think that's probably why we're here. Uh, like you said, they started doing it last season. Uh, I, you know, there's been like there's mentioned from a coral fanatic in the chat here, Imagination Land, which is of course one of the show's most famous kind of arcs, where which is kind of a three episode arc and combine them all into a movie uh, that I think was from like season eleven of South Park, and those were all connected, and so that was kind of a big deal and a big arc and. Maybe if you want to say it's the second South Park movie, you could say that. But this is something altogether different. And I like to think that the creators of the show maybe are bored with the format. And they're saying, we can do it a little differently. Let's let's do one big season-long arc like other TV shows we really like do. And it's, uh, it's coming together. I'm really, I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's fun because it's not, it's not, again, as somebody who hasn't been watching the show regularly for a while, it's, it's, it, I was surprised to hear that this is what they were doing to begin with. And then to see it play out, even knowing that that's how it's going to play, that things are going to bleed in from one episode to the next. It was still jarring for me that in the episode after, um, what is it? Soda Sopa? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that after that, that Whole Foods still exists and that Whole Foods is still something that is very prevalent in South Park for the, for the subsequent episodes. So, yeah, they're really they're really building on a story here and it's very different from what they've ever done. I think I like it. I I think I like it. I also really like when South Park does like the hard one off. I think that those episodes can be spectacular, but I'm digging this. I think that this is good. I think it's a fun change of pace. Not to say they haven't done one off episodes through the course of this season. I feel like that there was probably more one offs early on in this season. I feel like the last three or four have probably been much more of one ongoing story that seems like a, you know, you know, a four part episode as opposed to some of the stuff from earlier in the season, which seemed like Mm -hmm. they were stories that had a beginning, middle and end. Yeah. I would call, I would also, I don't know if I would call this the funniest South Park season as much as the most solid South Park season, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like Trey and Matt have a point of view going into this, which uh, we're talking about the evolution, the evolution of the show. It didn't start out as that. It just started out as the adventures of, of four boys. But then at a certain point, the the producers really started to say, like, let's start making episodes about current topics that we have a point of view behind. And that's when you get such famous episodes as, you know, them trying to take down Scientology uh, is, is a, or them taking down Mormonism. Uh, and so that being said, I would say the episodes that we're watching right now are probably not as laugh out loud funny as what's been happened in the past. And, the, you know, I still laugh at them. But that being said, I, I feel like their foundation behind all these episodes are a lot sturdier than some of those one-off episodes you were just talking about yeah i think the world building that they're doing within south park with uh with the the city part of town if you will with uh with as you know josh is pointing out like the the south uh south park or the down southern downtown south park whatever all the things that are happening i think that that's uh it's really good because then you can show it not only can you show that whole foods is still there but then you can have a plot line set within whole foods 
uh, that it has to do with, you know, charitable donations and giving. And you've already kind of established why they wanted the Whole Foods. And now you see the consequences of it. So I think that's really good. Uh, I just love historic Kenny's house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In historic Kenny's house. Yeah. yeah. That whole episode where they started uh, really exploring the uh, soda sopa and, uh, you know, historic Kenny's house when they kept cutting to like the live action commercials uh, from the I I was dying when I watched that episode. It was great. It it hit really close to home for me because I live in a gentrified part of Brooklyn. Like I live in a part of Brooklyn that was like really old Italian once upon a time. And now it's, you know, it's stroller city and I'm part of the problem. A hundred percent. Uh, but it, but, you know, I, I walk around, um, you know, the, the Brooklyn waterfront these days, there's a great path there and you can go towards the Brooklyn bridge and it's awesome and it's beautiful. And now all of these like sky rises are starting to be threatened to be built. Uh, and it really feels like I I could, like when I was watching the soda sopa stuff, like I kept thinking of, I forget what they call it, but it's like the commons at soda sopa and you know, like the, the heavens of soda sopa. The loft, the loft inside the commons. Yeah. And it really, it felt very familiar. And I, I felt myself getting, you know, laughing a lot, but feeling a little angry. Um, and then realizing, but I have, I can't be angry. I'm, I just live in like the slightly less cool part of soda sopa. Uh, so you're so not the it, Kenny in this story, are you? I'm not. I'm not the Kenny in this story. No, but I'm not in the loft. The loft would be great. I would love to live in the loft. Uh, but that's that's you're really contributing to the problem. There. It's, it's it's interesting too in terms of resonation because I feel like the safe space episode would probably appeal to all of us here, considering that we all at some point in time put out material on the internet that's prone to certain types of comments. Uh, and so the, I I had a lot of fun with that. Uh, here here it comes in the chat room. Cue it up. Yeah, we need butters to be fielding yeah, everything sorry. in the chat room. Yeah, yeah. Is that that's is that the intern you want to hire, Rob? Is someone to to, to delete all your negative comments? Yeah, busy with Demi Lovato. That would be um, very very helpful if butters could just be uh, fielding everything I see on Twitter. Ah, oh, gee. <laughs> oh, geez, Rob. My my parents yeah. ground me. Well, why don't Why don't we start yeah, at, the, at, at the beginning of all this with the central figure that really came into uh, South Park this season in PC Principal? <laughs> now. I I understand the uh, the idea of the PC principal, but PC principal is kind of like a very broy guy, but he is like obsessed with uh, with PC ness. Is is this an actual thing? Like you wouldn't traditionally associate, uh, you know, the broy college frat guy and PC. It's almost like counterintuitive. Is this an actual thing that's going on, Mike Bloom? I mean, I I would say that. I think their general thesis on the season is that like the problems with political correctness are that if you're so focused on certain aspects of the world and, you know, trying to be aggressive about those aspects, you're missing out on everything else that's going on. And so I think they're trying to prove that sort of hypocrisy through PC principle and the PC bros, which is that like you see them at a party and they're trying to be like socially acceptable and invite, you know, handicapped kids to the party, but they're completely ignoring them to try to hit on girls. And so I think PC principle is like blowing that out to the biggest proportion, which South Park tends to do and saying like, this is the, this is that, this is PC uh, aspects at a 10. This is the most aggressive someone can be about politically correct to the point of where he beats up Carmen in the first episode for making insensitive comments, which is something that's very rarely done on this show. Carmen doesn't, Carmen usually gets away with a lot more things. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we have some great comments in the chat. Uh, Taryn Armstrong said he was recently involved. Rob has a planet. Taryn Armstrong says he was recently involved in the college experience, in the college PC culture, and the season's extremely relevant to him. Drew points out uh, that comedians like Seinfeld and Chris Rock won't even do comedy shows on college campuses anymore because of the PC atmosphere. 
I think it's really funny in like 21 Jump Street, the movie with the Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill, when they go undercover and go back to high school even. Uh, they Channing Tatum is was the, the great jock in high school and everyone loved him and he goes right back to high school and acts the same way. It's only 10 years later and he's the worst kid in the school. He, mm-hmm. I mean, he is, he is horrible for picking on people. He's gay bashing. He's saying things that aren't appropriate anymore and he's hated for it. And meanwhile, Jonah Hill is beloved. So uh, I think the tide has turned, certainly. It, not something that's been in, within my experience, but it de- definitely seems like it's happened. F you, science. <laughs> so yeah, and then the PC principle is really over the top. I did like the reveal um, later in the season what, what some people believe PC actually stands for, that these guys are not motivated by true goodness, uh, that they may be motivated by ulterior intentions, uh, even if they are getting permission slips signed. <laughs> it was a crushing reveal, for sure. Yeah, And then, <laughs> sort of on the other end of the spectrum, uh, a new villain sort of emerged in Mr. Garrison, who basically became sort of like a Donald Trump doppelganger, who then uh, went up to Canada to battle sort of another version of a Donald Trump doppelganger, a Canadian version of Donald Trump. And I thought that that was really a, a very funny way that they uh, took, did, you know, put on a take on the all the Donald Trump stuff. Yeah, I I'm such a child. I will. I can't. I anytime South Park does anything with the Canadians, I just <laughs> it kills me every time. And I know I shouldn't be laughing as much as I do. But the the alphabet, the Canadian alphabet. Yeah. Oh my god! And that's that's another one of those things of like they did like one episode where. They just had this repeating dialogue, dialogue of, I'm not your fan, buddy. I'm not yeah. your buddy guy. I'm not your guy friend. And they're, I'm like, not your oh, guy friend. they're like, oh, that's great. Let's just keep repeating yeah. that joke over and over again, which is fantastic. But I, I totally agree. The Canadian, just because, again, speaking towards that, like Ugh. them blowing out these ridiculous aspects, like the Canadians are just, and they've been that way since season one, are just, and when, remember when they used to use like Saddam Hussein's real face to play Saddam yeah. Hussein, even though yes. he acted Canadian? Like, yeah. just ridiculous stuff. Yeah, yeah, that that always crushed me too. Uh, but yeah, the the whole episode with the wall, and obviously it's a it's a Trump analog, and it just it's it's so perfect that Mister Garrison is that character. You know that Mister Garrison is the guy who's filling that role because that's so Mister Garrison historically, Mister Garrison, um, and and him versus Trump at the end was just out of this world. It was just. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. And yeah. Caitlyn Jenner as his running mate is a, a little over the top, shall we say. But uh, Bomb Sheru in the chat room said, I think the ongoing Caitlyn Jenner joke where she continues to run people over is hilarious. And I it's think that it's, good. Oh, it's so bad. So, <laughs> it, is, it is so wrong, but it's, I, I'm happy that they're getting more mileage out of that joke regarding Caitlyn Jenner than any of the other jokes. That, you know, they've made some other ones, the mustache being kind of prevalent among them. But, uh, but yeah, I'm happy that they're getting the most mileage out of that Caitlyn Jenner. No pun intended, Antonio. Pun fully intended. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I do love the Caitlyn Jenner, Mr. Garrison uh, relationship as it's continued to unfold, where uh, Mr. Garrison is like breaking Caitlyn Jenner's chops. And, yeah. uh, and, and it's just sort of like Caitlyn Jenner just keeps telling Mr. Garrison, like, oh, shut up, Mr. Garrison. You're <laughs> such an a hole. Yeah. You're such an <laughs> asshole, Mr. Garrison. And, and it's, it's weird canon, too, because Mr. Garrison at one point did become a woman and then he changed <laughs> back. So it's weird, right. like, thinking that, oh, they actually would get together. 
And like, I don't know if that's meant to be canon, but it ends up kind of working out in that way. <laughs> that's funny. So, but there's so many different like topical things that are in there. You know, it really started off as just PC in the beginning of the story. And then we got into all the things with, with Whole Foods and then the gentrification. But then the whole second half of the season started to take a turn where there's an episode where the kids are in ISIS uh, and then ultimately yeah, we turn into a whole thing about news versus ads, which has really dominated the whole second half of the season. Right. And I mean, I haven't gone back and rewatched any of the first episodes of the season. Obviously, I watched it for the first time today. But are there Mike or, or Antonio or Rob? Have, have any of you guys done that? And if so, did you see seeds of this? early on was this something that you felt that they were building toward or do you think that matt and trey eventually were like oh no this is just a funny direction we can take it yeah there are the weird the pc principal keeps calling out the girl in the leslie it happens yeah leslie three or four times and it's like why is why does he keep singling her out so she's sort of present throughout and kind of this weird like where is she coming from character and you do get kind of indications that some of these things may be happening i don't know what what about you mike what do you think I didn't, I mean, I didn't really see anything. Uh, and you also have to think about their production schedule as well. And they're, again, talking about evolution. So they started, uh, in the past few years, they were doing little half seasons, uh, almost in like a Walking Dead format, where they would do stuff in the spring and then stuff in the fall. And then starting about two years ago, they stopped doing that and just started doing one 10-episode block in the fall. Uh, and this South Park is also historically known as a show where, you know, there's a documentary made called like Six Days to Air where historically they've been known to really do quick turnarounds uh, to the point of where on the first time Obama got, re- uh, got elected, they actually took text from his speech that night and put it into the show the next day, which is remarkable. But this season, they haven't been doing that. You know, they've taken a few weeks off here and there. And I think it's because of this overarching storyline. Uh, they were able to like sit down in those, in those break weeks and say like, okay, how should we shape these things? So I wouldn't think, and again, I have to go back and rewatch them. I don't think there are really seeds in there besides stuff like Leslie. I think it's just once they got to the uh, the clickbait and you know the sponsored content type of material, then they decided, oh, this is how we can start tying everything else in. Though we have one episode left, where we have yet to see how it really all ties together. Um, isn't wasn't there a season recently? If not, if not last season. But when they used to do it that way, where they would really rush episodes and they would work really, really fast, didn't they miss one? Wasn't there? There was a there was a power outage at South Park Studios that that caused them to to miss a week. I don't know how recently that was, but I wonder if that was a turning point for the way that they produced the show from that point moving forward. Mm-hmm. I think it was. It was one or two years ago. But I mean, you also think think about the other stuff they've been doing as well. I mean, they came out with the Book of Mormon in 2011. 2013 i think it was they released the video game south park the stick of truth so i think once they started realizing like oh there are other projects that we want to work on then they can kind of say let's reorient our production schedule a little bit and you know they were probably you're right maybe that power outage made them say we don't have to work like this uh and i mean there really hasn't been this season too many really topical things you know i feel like in a typical season of South Park, we would have seen like an episode right after the Paris attacks, for example. Uh, but this time they're really opting for more general topics that have been coming up a few months before the season started. Yeah, I think, and I think it works because I think that some of these issues are, are in society. So certainly Caitlyn Jenner is something you would expect South Park to take on or address, but some of the broader themes, the, you know, the whole foods, gentrification, political correctness, internet bashing, they're not, normally like super like they're they're things that happen on an everyday basis and that people can relate to but they're not necessarily ripped from the headlines like you know they have in the past so i do think it still works i think they can make relatable 
satirical, funny content that doesn't have to be ripped from the headlines completely uh, and still work out. I mean, I think that ultimately when they sit back and think if this season ends up being about the prevalence of ads in our culture and how it impacts and affects the decisions that we make, the way we approach things and on and on and on. I think that that's something that is, is in, at least in that way, it's a little more evergreen than what happened last week at, you know, in a certain place or time. But is yeah. the sponsored content storyline, is that really resonating with you guys? A little bit with me. I was going to say, I think it yeah, depends on the field you work in, in particular. And I mean, they are in the entertainment industry. And I also feel like uh, this season's overarching theme was probably spread a little more because I mean, we are a very PC-centric culture now, and South Park has been known since its inception as a very taboo show in terms of something that breaks all the rules. And even, like, PC Principal has this whole monologue in the first episode where he's talking about all this stuff that's happened in the show, and he's, you know, he's kind of putting it down as, like, uh, you know, un-PC material. And then this is sort of, I think that's the creator sort of saying, like, well, this is how we're going to deal with the accusations that we're not politically correct. We're just going to run with it. Yeah. I don't know. For me... Uh, you know, I, I work. I work in this space. I I, I write uh, entertainment articles. I do interviews. I do things. I do a lot that I'm really proud of. But I have certainly been, you know, a perpetrator of the sponsored content thing. Uh, I have certainly, I've certainly pulled that trigger in my time. And so as that was as that was starting to come to to the forefront today, I did. I had gotten a text from Antonio when I told him that I had a couple of episodes left, and Antonio said, "Oh, well, be ready for some of these to really hit close to home for you." And indeed, indeed they did. <laughs> Sorry, so Josh. it resonates with me. I don't, I don't know how much it resonates with anybody else, but, you know, that's probably part of the point is, um, you know, it's the eye opening. You know, you think that those Geico commercials are hilarious, but who knows what they're, you know, they're still melting your mind a little bit. So uh, I, I think it's good. I think it's fun. I mean, is there, is it that muddy in terms of what's news and what's an ad? Are, are people really that confused? I think it can be. I mean, I think if you read magazines at all, a lot of magazines that do sort of, especially lifestyle magazines that talk mm-hmm. about like, uh, oh, you know, the, here's 10 great tips for fall fashion. It's like all of those things are probably from their sponsors or from people yeah. uh, that, you know, have paid them money to show up in the magazine. Um, I think that sometimes it, it slips into, I think the the little line that came up, like, why don't you do an article about car insurance and why it's important? Like mm-hmm. Those sorts of things, I think it's a lot more insipid that you don't necessarily recognize the way it jumps out. And I think the episode where they kind of run through the history of it, like, well, in the 50s, we had television. We couldn't avoid the ads. And then right. TiVo was invented. And we were free of ads. And then ads came back. I think it's, it's, it's the Don Drapers of the world are always going to find a way uh, to use their money uh, to influence decisions that people make with purchasing and I think that that's ultimately what we see a lot of the time. And it's ironic because I'm sitting here catching up watching these on Hulu and Hulu's asking me, which ad experience do you prefer? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, so you not only want, want to know, like, not only are you going to show me ads, but you want me to tell you which ads are the best ads for me. And that's the world we live in now. So it really was. I mean, you talk about like, is it muddy or whatever? Like, I think that it, it happens without us even really thinking about it sometimes. Yeah. And and also, I mean, Drew and Turner are talking about this in the chat as well. It's also very prevalent in like the vlogging and specifically gaming communities as well, where, you know, these video game companies will reach out to specific people and say, can you, I'll give you an advanced copy of the game if you sponsor it. And that's, you know, that might bias people's specific reviews of things and their critiques if they're checking out material that they're basically been pushed into giving positive reviews for. Yeah, that became a huge issue. A friend of mine was a writer at Penny Arcade for a long time. uh, And it became a huge issue for him where, they had to create a whole policy for their website. 
and be upfront and ethical about we played a game uh, in an advanced copy. So just so you know, our review came from a game that we played for free uh, and stuff like that. So that was definitely happening. Correct. I have nothing further to add to that. Yeah, yeah you're like the expert on it. So we thought maybe you would <laughs> yeah. know, you know, more than anything. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's just, you know, it, I think that it's it's uh, it's an entertaining storyline that we're getting to. I have no idea where it's going to go. I wish that I was a little more like Jimmy. I will say that. Uh, I wish that I had I had the ethics of Jimmy, who is really just like, I won't sell out for anything. Look at the money's good. I might sell out for the right stuff. So what I'll, what, I'll, is, so what are you guys thinking about, like, connecting? Because this is also sort of connecting to this whole, whole idea of, like, the singularity almost. And the, specifically, the last episode was very much in line with that movie Ex Machina that came out this past year. Uh, and with specific shots oriented around it as well. So it's not, it's even just taking this idea of sponsored content and almost turning it into like one of those bleak dystopian pictures right. as well, which South Park does a, a good job usually with like genre bending stuff. They've done like Warcraft episodes beforehand. Uh, and they've, so they've been able to immerse themselves in those genres. And it seems like they're doing the same thing now. Does she even know she's an ad, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we, not, we need Oscar Isaac to come in and figure it out. Rob, yeah. what, what did you think of the newsmen uh, that were there and kind of the, the running gag about, you know, over to you, Tim. Tim, what do you, what's it like over there? Yeah, oh, that was still a very funny bit. Is that Bill Hader? Is Bill Hader yeah, the main guy yeah. in he's, there? He's a, he's a production consultant on the show, slash he sometimes does like voices here and there. And so, uh, yeah, I think that that's uh, all, all really good. I mean, I feel like it's, uh, you know, a, li- a little bit confusing in terms of uh, where it's going because it seems like now... Uh, Mr. Garrison is has gone from like the villain of the season to sort of a uh, part, partially the hero trying to uncover all this. Uh, yeah. It's very confusing heading down the home stretch of who really are the good guys here. And uh, maybe it's nobody. Yeah. You're like your main party, you know, like if this were a game, like who's your party of main characters right now? And it's like, it's Garrison. It's the former principal. It's Caitlyn Jenner. And I guess it's Jimmy. Kind of assuming that Jimmy can get out of this situation alive. I'm, you know, knock on wood. And Officer Bar Brady. And Bar Brady, yes. Bar Brady is great. I was really happy to see the show doing some stuff with Bar Brady because I feel like he, he really had his, his, uh, his time during the early seasons of South Park. Again, I checked out for a while, so I don't know if there have been, you know, prolific Bar Brady sightings since then. Um, but I feel like he's a fairly sidelined character, so it was fun to get him. And I, I like the recurring gag with him that he just keeps shooting. <laughs> people in the shoulder when he does not mean to do it but so. i did well, like I don't, the storyline that they ended up doing with bar brady about the uh, anti-police sentiment that uh people are having and and the whole like uh nwa montage uh with with him because i think that what south park does best is when they take sort of a either a global issue or society issue and they show how it is like what it looks like on that micro level in south park and how everybody's anti-police but then all of a sudden now they're having problems and they need to bring the police back and the police don't want to come back after that. So I did like that uh, sort of topical storyline that they had in one of the episodes down the stretch. That's absolutely what I was going to say. I think South Park does really well, not necessarily giving you the take that you expect. Uh, When they made Team America World Police, Trey and Matt, uh, they really ripped into Alec Baldwin and Matt Damon. And I think uh, even though there was a lot of like America F, yeah, like we blow up the world and all these things, uh, 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 the secondary sort of parallel storyline of that movie was ripping on liberals in Hollywood. And I think that South Park is always willing and these guys are always willing to take stances that are a little bit different uh, and that really kind of stand out for being different and not necessarily the take you expect because it can be the show that has Randy Marsh opening his bathrobe uh, and doing some spinning stuff there. Oh um, but it could also be the, uh, you know, the, the show that, says, oh, now that you want the police, no, we're going to do our hula party. We're going to do a luau. I might even kiss a man. Who knows? 
So yeah, uh, and South Park even did an episode where they like going along those lines where uh, it was an anti anti smoking episode where they had like Rob Reiner come in and direct this whole like anti smoking campaign, but he was shown as like this big megalomaniac slash creepy guy that was made out of goo apparently uh and so they they personified the smoking industry as like this like happy-go-lucky almost like Willy Wonka-esque industry and so I totally agree Antonio I feel like they're always trying to go approach things from like a different perspective which again is why their approaches towards like Scientology are so infamous right is because they went on it full force and they you know they they the best argument they could have made again uh, made against scientology was just showing what scientology was on the screen and that's what people remember for it the most right right and then uh, what was the what was the the analog for scientology when they was finally the, the off yeah the adventure yeah. club i think <laughs> yeah when they just did the scientology episode again but just like painted with a different sheen yeah uh, i thought that was amazing you know antonio i would just uh, i'd love to get from you because i feel like you're probably the best expert here on the panel in terms of the political worldview of south park to me as somebody who's probably uh more of a novice in that area it seems like they're uh pretty much an equal opportunity offender to to both sides do you think that south park has a political leaning no, I mean, I think that they, they work really hard to kind of, if they've got a political leaning, kind of not let that bleed into the satire. I think that it, it's easy to say, oh, well, they're liberal because they're willing to, you know, be offensive and push the envelope and everything. But they push back. The whole anti-PC thing is a pushback against that, that sort of over-liberal culture. And I think more than anything, Trey and Matt seem to be guilty or, or are happy to do uh, kind of satirizing or polarizing or pushing back against extremes on any edge or on any issue. And I think that more, you know, if you look at the Book of Mormon, for example, um, that, you know, you expect the musical to be just this horrible send up of the LDS church and making fun of all these crazy aspects of it. And yeah, there's some of that, but more than anything, it's about, you know, coming of age and people opening their eyes. And there's lots of segments of the LDS church that are totally okay with the Book of Mormon. And that's because they don't, they don't ever tend to do the expected thing. Um, they tend to do the thing that uh, is maybe a different perspective. And I think that's really what makes them brilliant more than anything is that they're willing to take it on. I mean, I, I don't think that they're known as huge liberals or huge conservatives one way or the other. I like this uh, comment from Taryn in the chat room. who says, this might sound weird, but South Park was one of the things that helped show me to examine all sides in an argument when I was a kid. And I think that speaks to what Antonio was just talking about is, uh, you know, South, South Park does, you know, I, I feel like South Park is fairly agnostic. I feel like they're fairly, fairly neutral. I think that they're on the side of truth in a lot of ways, uh, or at least the way that they see it. And they're very consistent with their view of things. Um, and they just call it like they see it. And, and Trey and Matt just have a very distinct, definitive voice and a definitive way about looking at the world. And sometimes that's going to agree with your politics. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's going to really not offend you at all. Other times it's going to offend you fairly wildly. Um, it's certainly always going to, you know, somebody is going to get hit. But they're they're happy to hit just about anybody in the room, probably even themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that that's one one thing that's really great about the show. And I think that that's one reason why a lot of different people of, of different ages really respond to it. Um, one, one time I outed my 55 year old aunt who was dating a new guy as a South Park fan because she secretly loves South Park and it's very against character for her. And I don't think the relationship lasted very long after that. They broke uh, up over the South Park. I th I th she was very upset that I said it, and I they think broke up well, with her annoying nephew. They were they, they it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be. If he doesn't like they South Park, they weren't together very long after that. 
uh, and that was fairly recent. It was fairly recent. But you know, uh, it, I think that I think that it, it appeals to a lot of people of of different ages, different demographics, and I think that's great. I think that that's one of the reasons why this show has endured for so long. Um, you know, Rob, you said you weren't sure that other than Mike, like how many people in their twenties are watching the show? I bet a bunch are. I bet a ton are. I'm sure that we we probably have people who are watching this right now who are in their 20s who are still into South Park. So I think that it appeals to a wide range of people. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're taking shots at different parties and different groups of people and themselves almost every single time. Yeah, I mean, when Obama got elected the first time, uh, when President Obama was elected, their episode, you expect one take or another, they come out with an Ocean's Eleven style caper where McCain and Palin <laughs> yes. and Obama oh, so are all good. on the same page. Uh, yeah. They show the, the people being sad and happy about the various people that were elected and how they react to it. The people that took sides were just random people like Ike was a big McCain supporter. Yeah. And it had nothing really little to do with politics. And it was just about showing how characters would react to a certain scenario if they carried those views. I feel like if Trey and Matt have one sort of stance that they've been promoting throughout their tenure on South Park, it's that they're very anti-industry, as what was mentioned before. These are the guys that remember got Oscar-nominated for a song for their movie, took shrooms, and went to the Oscars in dresses. So I think these guys are willing to... They're willing to go onto a, onto a stage of a gaming convention and talk about how like how faulty the industry is. And I think that's what they're almost championed for, is how brazen they are about everything. Like They're, they're equal opportunity offenders. Did they do a Gamergate episode, Mike? Do you know? I don't think they've done a Gamergate episode. I just they did appear because they're actually coming out with another video game. They did appear at uh, I think an Ubisoft conve- uh, Ubisoft like presentation during the E three gaming convention this past year. Uh, but I don't think they've done a Gamergate one yet. TBD. I'm so, sure it'll happen. Overall, for season nineteen of South Park, I think we're all on the same page. It's a it's a recommend for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, you don't don't go into it if you're easily offended, obviously, right. but that's just the case with anything South Park at this point. Yeah. Right. The South Park episodes are available on Hulu. That's how I've been watching them. I also uh, had been catching up on Nathan for You on the Comedy Central app. I have to imagine that they're on there as well. Yeah. Oh man, I love Nathan for You. I'm so behind this season, but yeah. I love that show. Yeah. Nathan's the best. Okay, so we talked about uh, South Park, uh, but Mike Bloom is here, and uh, of course, uh, Bloom is a big fan of the musical theater, and he was glued to the TV last night for the production of The Wiz Live on NBC. Uh, I did not catch it. Josh Antonio, did you catch it? No, no, I did not. So you guys talk about it. Wiggler, did you watch Sound of Music Live? No, I didn't. You know I'm a big Sound of Music guy, but that's because I'm very particular. I need my Sound of Music to be classic Julie Andrews. Uh, none, not classic Carrie Underwood. No, nothing. Nothing else will. I will accept nothing else. Certainly not with Vampire Bill as Georg von Trapp. Suck so, yeah. You know, I can't. I got, it's got to be. It's got to be. The you didn't use his bastard executioner uh, character name. I forgot what his name was. What was his name? <laughs> it was like the, the, the Chamberlain. Yeah, something like that. No, I I forgot, Chamberlain was in Bastard yeah. Executioner. Yeah, I forgot that. Uh, I forgot that. Okay, that, so this is going to be a little bit of Q and A with Mike Bloom, who saw it, and I saw on Facebook you thought it was the best of these NBC live musicals. Absolutely. Well, I think that the past two have kind of NBC's trying to come from this from a point of view of how are we going to get people into this? And I think the first couple times they're like, great, we need a celebrity in the lead role. We got stuff that's with as many famous people as possible. We'll put some like actually talented musical theater people on the side, but let's really, you know, stock our stars with celebrities. And as a result, the first two were pretty hate watched. Oh no. Uh, and, and that was, and that was pretty much what the, what the two became synonymous with specifically. I mean, 
the first one, every, it became like a huge Twitter blow up and everyone was talking about how bad Carrie Underwood was and how bad, uh, how bad Vampire Bill was and the guy who played Rolf, his shorts were too high and like all this random stuff. Um, last year, Peter Pan wasn't very popular. Uh, even the live tweeting, uh, the, the biggest punching bag was Christopher Walken just being catatonic throughout the entire performance. <laughs> I remember. Uh, but here Zombie. I feel like as, as a send up on SNL alluded to, but this time they really went back to the drawing board. I feel like they brought in, they had some, I mean, they had some good celebrities there. They had like Mary J. Blige, Queen Latifah, uh, they had David Allen common, of course, in the, as the role of Neo. Neo. I wish I knew. Yeah. So they, so they brought in like some pretty good David Allen Greer. Yeah, exactly. Like some pretty good names, but they weren't like, these people are going to be the big stars. They actually did like a nationwide search for the person to play Dorothy and as a result, she absolutely knocked it out of the park. And it's been interesting because I, you know, you compare like my social media feeds between this and the sound of music, and it's pretty much night and day. It seems like everyone was positively overwhelmed in support of this overall, and uh, both in its representation of minorities on TV, which is something that's not very common. And as a result, no, Common the, was in it. Oh, Common was, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, God. It was Common. Uh, no Red Man in it. I was surprised. Uh, I feel like those two. Well, no, it's, was it me, Method, Method Man? Method Man and Red Man together. Maybe it's Method Man. Method Man. But we're going to do Mike Bloom's take on rap. Can we do that, please? No, 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 no. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day after. Nope. Uh, yes, uh, after and the NWA movie comes out on DVD, we'll do a commentary about that. But <laughs> nope. Uh, <laughs> but as a result, be, uh, because of the popularity, it's actually increased in reading in ratings from last year, and so I think. Uh, they took a risk in trying not bringing in as big names onto this and focusing on a little something different, and it paid off uh, in both ratings aspect and I feel like production aspect as well. Antonio, I, I think you're in agreement as well, right? I remember you reading that you were very happy with it too. Yeah, it was fantastic. I've I've watched all three um, of the of these. Peter Pan was terrible. Um, Sound of Music was not good. I'm a huge Sound of Music fan as well, and I'm not a big enough fan that I wouldn't check out a different version of it. I was actually curious for that reason. It wasn't awful, but it just wasn't great. And I think a lot of people are criticizing these shows in general because they don't have a live audience. And so laugh lines are delivered and there's no laughter. Yeah. Um, you know, things, big things happen on stage and you're not sure like, oh, is this a pause? Are we applauding? What's happening? So I think the Wiz did a really a, a pretty good job of that. There, there are a ton of commercials in these. Uh, this one. Um, it was really a lot of commercials, but I think they did a pretty good job of of kind of building that up. And they were, I mean, the, the cast were just really crushing it on stage yeah. uh, throughout all the numbers. And so you wouldn't have known there wasn't an audience there and that it was totally a soundstage thing. They did a fantastic job. The sets on this one were better. I understand that this was sort of a proof of concept for a revival of the show. So uh, they really went all out with the sets to show like, you know, you could really do something with this. And I think that for that reason, um, I think it popped a lot better than a lot of the other sets that we've seen. Uh, some of the stuff was really impressive from a staging standpoint. And yeah, the cast was just top notch. Yeah. The the only couple of qualms I have with it are that uh, I thought, but the production was fantastic, but the camera work was interesting. I mean, the, the people that had done it the previous couple of years uh, who were like, had done TV before, this was a relatively new team. And so as a result, there was some weird camera work where like, for example, like if the four of us are in a scene, Josh, I know you're not talking right now, but for some reason the camera would be on you for like two seconds while I'm talking, and then, it would back, and then it would cut back to me. So it was like a lot of like weird reaction shots that probably shouldn't have been a thing. But I mean, that's that's a small qualm, and that comes with you know a stage picture versus a, a a film picture. But I totally agree. I think the next step is to bring in a live audience because 
in the in the theater genre in general, you feed so much energy off of that audience that I feel like it's one's going to inform the other, and it, it's gonna it's gonna lead to a more energetic performance overall. Yeah, apparently these this production team who has been kind of behind these things says they do not want a live audience. So um, it's an interesting kind of a belief that they're putting on these shows in the soundstage, and that's it. Uh, but, Is it because it's not really uh, live? Yeah, I think that may be why. I think because there's breaks with the commercials and things yeah. like that. It's not exactly the same kind of experience. So they don't think it would be as organic and it would be kind of, oh, the applause lights on. So now I'm going to applaud. And I think that they feel like the whole dynamic would change. Hamilton. Hamilton. <laughs> Shut up, Tim said how long until Hamilton is referenced. I'm just saying Hamilton. That'll, that'll, be, that'll be my rap podcast. Don't worry. <laughs> Fox is trying to get in the live musical game as well. They have Grease Live scheduled for January. Bloom, are you pumped up for this? Uh, I mean, to a certain extent, I, I've, I've been in Grease before. I played, guess who, Eugene the Nerd in a production of Grease a couple summers ago. Uh, I was wearing a wool sweater in 100 degree heat. It was as much fun as the description sounded. Um, so you did not have chills. They were not multiplying. No, they don't even they don't even do that song in the show in the show. They do it only in the movie. Uh, no. But from what I hear, they're adapting the songs to it because actually one of the problems with the sound of music uh, live was that they didn't use like I have confidence, which was only from the movie and people got pissed off about that. But I mean, Grease itself is not a great show. Uh, it's pretty much promoting the morals of you have to change yourself to get someone to like you. Uh, and so that's that doesn't leave a wholesome message for the family. I mean, I, I'm um, I'm kind of intrigued by the cast. I mean, I love Aaron Tveit, huge man crush on Aaron Tveit, who's playing Danny Zuko. But then you look at like Vanessa Ann Hudgens and like Carly Rae Jepsen uh, and Julianne Huff, and I'm a little, I'm a little uh, about that. They're sort of going to the NBC formula of who is playing Eugene the Nerd. I, I, some, <laughs> I am. I'm actually flying over. Uh, I'll be gone in January because I'll be starring in it. Uh, sharing screen time with Aaron Tveit while they're focused on me for two seconds while he's talking. You'll be missed. It. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of Grease to begin with. And I mean, uh, again, like speaking towards the what The Wiz sort of represents, I mean, this minorities are not very well represented in musical theater, Hamilton aside. Uh, and I feel like this is sort of a step in the wrong direction by being like, and we're back to the whitewashed 50s musical on Fox. And so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting. I feel like people who were not satiated by hate tweets for the Wiz are gonna get a well supply of them during Grease Live. What's a better musical for Fox for for the for the demo for Fox if not Grease? Because Grease feels Glee-ish, Glee-esque. Yeah. Spring Awakening, they got Leah Michelle. <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe I'm trying to think about like we were you're looking towards like more risque shows. How to succeed in business without really trying seems yeah, appropriate. Yeah. Or, or maybe even something like Chicago, you know? Because that even has, that has like, it's infamous from the movie, too. No, no, NBC has the, the market cornered on any Chicago really. So. <laughs> That's true. Chicago um, opera. Yes. <laughs> so what should NBC, what should NBC do next year? I've seen a lot of West Side stories. I mean, is that the, is that the next uh, kind of step here for NBC, Mike? I mean, I guess so. I mean, I know last year there was a lot of talk after uh, Peter Pan of either The Wiz or The Music Man. And it'd be interesting to go back to Love the Music Man. Man. Music, Man. Man Music Man's fun. Um, but I feel like, uh, I don't know. I feel like, again, like, where do you go from The Wiz? Like, there's a jumping off point. Maybe West Side Story is a way to go. Alex Kidwell suggests Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, no, because that is a three and a half hour <laughs> dirge through Jewish life in Russia. So it'll uh, just be a two-parter. It's a two-parter. What if we cast Larry David as Tevya? Oh, 
Fiddler on the roof. Uh, crazy, no? I agree. Pretty crazy. Tradition well, is pretty I mean, good. That's actually fun fact. The reason why I, the reason why I started getting into Kirby enthusiasm is because there was a story arc right where he was in the producers for a whole right. season, and that's how I first got into the show. Oh, I loved that arc. That was saying, really great. He was saying great. it could work. Yeah, that would be good. Make more money with the flop than with the hit, Mike. Yeah, pretty absolutely. Pretty. This is a little different. I hear Macbeth is huge these days. Should they do a uh, live Shakespeare? Uh, <laughs> Who would they cast as the three witches, Rob? I don't know. <laughs> Bette Midler. Uh, yes. Yeah, Bette, Bette Midler, Midler Kathy and Jimmy, and Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah, we got it. There you Lockdown. go. All right. Anything else on the Wiz musical South Park? I mean, no. it, I mean, it's it's just I speaking again towards the Wiz. I think it's just no matter how much you may hate tweet the previous two years, I think it's awesome as a musical theater fan that they're actually bringing this to live TV. And I mean, there are sort of stories out there of people in Middle America who don't get to go to Broadway or to LA to see these big shows and to get to see them through their TV is super cool. Uh, so I'm I'm hopeful at least for more of the things to happen so that more of those stories can occur. All right. We'll put pen to paper on post-show recaps, the musical, right after this and try to work to be the next uh, big musical on NBC. We've got a squad. We can, yeah, your three we co-hosts can, here have all the musical, musical theater involved. We yeah, we could this. field one. Okay. It's all doable. Right. <laughs> so what is the hashtag for this episode of the podcast? Oh, my God. Post-show recaps, the musical? Post-show recaps, the musical. Uh, yeah, PSR, the musical? <laughs> yeah. And South Park, they say that the original South Park movie was uh, one of the uh, best musicals of all time. It, it was fantastic. Yeah, it's really great. That's something we didn't really talk about here. And I mean, there's that great music number in Safe Space this season that I thought was really, really excellent. But Trey and Matt, um, you know, between South Park, The Simpsons, Simpsons has some really classic songs and Family Guy has really good music numbers too. Seth MacFarlane knows what's up. But I really love Trey and Matt whenever they deliver a song. And Book of Mormon is so, 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 so funny. Seen it twice. Love, Maybe that's love, the next NBC musical. No way. That'll be what Fox does. It's <laughs> not Yeah, Coral Fanatic is talking about another song from South Park this season that I don't want to no, name. By that's what I thought you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, boogers, boogers and um. Boogers <laughs> and way over the top. Yeah. Boogers and mums the word. Uh, so yeah, I just think that Matt and Trey, they're, they're so, so good when it comes to the music. I, I think it's so great. And this season was no exception. And, uh, and the South Park movie, the music in that. It's just unbelievable. Really, absolutely. Really. Okay. Yeah. So coming up this weekend, Josh and Antonio, you got anything uh, live big planned? Yeah, absolutely. Antonio, you wanna you wanna set that up? Yeah, we. Josh and I have been talking about the leftovers here at Post Show Recaps. We're very thankful for those of you who have caught up. We did a podcast. Welcome to the leftovers. Like basically an intro podcast. If you haven't watched the show, what the show's about, why you should be watching it. Noticed a lot of people, including you guys, Rob and Mike, have been binging. Uh, to catch up. So we're very thankful for that. We're going to do a live show here after the finale of the leftovers on Sunday night. Uh, we're going to be live at postshowrecaps.com. So the show page is already up for that. We'll be live there. So that'll be around 1030 right after the finale. We're going to do our kind of instant reactions and takes uh, to everything that's been going on with this season, the leftovers that's culminating with the finale on Sunday. Very pumped up. I'm trying to catch up to be there for the live show on Sunday night. Oh my God. How close are you? I am on episode four of season two. I finished that. So I've got, I've got to watch five more episodes to watch you guys on Sunday night. All right. Well, don't rush it. Save for it. Enjoy. If, if the leftover season two ends in a musical number, will you guys be miffed or ecstatic? If it could end in a musical number now, and I wouldn't be shocked because 
considering the the ground that they've covered on this season, it could end in outer space, and I wouldn't be shocked. It should end with always always look on the bright side of life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised you're trying to put that in the universe, Antonio, that a show ending in outer space could be good. Well, I don't know. Why? What, what's the problem there, Josh? You got a specific problem? You want I don't to have about? a problem, but you seem to with the, uh, with the Fargo uh, in the space. Yeah, we've been talking Fargo here at Post Show Recaps as well, and we'll, we'll get into that next week. <laughs> All right. Well, plenty of good stuff over on postshowrecaps.com. Uh, Bloom, how's the Once Upon a Time going? Uh, so Once Upon a Time is actually finishing up its uh, mid-season finale this Sunday. So Kirk Clark and I are going to recap that, probably come out on Monday night or so. It's been super good. Uh, I would argue best season since the first one. And it's been super fun to talk about this with Kurt. I feel like they've gone like back to basics with a lot of character stuff that they've been doing instead of saying, let's do, let's tie frozen in. Cause frozen is popular. So it's been, it's been a really good uh, season. And so I'm, I'm, I'm relieving it be for a few months, but I'm happy to send it off. Hopefully with a good farewell. Looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say on postshowrecaps.com. Uh, let me give out the Twitter handles of everybody on the panel. Our guest today, Mike Bloom, is at a Mike Bloom type. There you go. Of course, uh, we have uh, Antonio Mazzaro. He's uh, at AC Mazzaro, two Zs, one R. You got it. And of course, uh, Josh Wiggler is at Round Howard. Yeah, like Ron Howard, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at Rob Sestrino. Uh, right now, we are still in the process of figuring out what we want to do for next Friday's show when Antonio and I are back and Josh is out on assignment. Out on assignment. That's correct. And by that, it means they've, they've, we finally figured out that he's an ad and they're, they're trying to get rid of him. So he's, he's going incognito. He's sponsored yeah, content. I'm, yeah, I'm sponsored content for Ron Howard's uh, Heart of the Sea <laughs> in theaters soon. <laughs> okay. starring Chris Hemsworth so AKA. if you have something that you really want uh, Antonio and I to talk about for next week's show definitely tell us in the comments on postshowrecaps.com of course you can subscribe to postshowrecaps at postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes or for just the most show recaps feed go to postshowrecaps.com slash MSR iTunes have a great weekend everybody we'll talk to you again soon take care bye